0: Well, greetings, brethren, and welcome to another Wednesday night Bible study. You'll just have to excuse me. I need to shut the audio off of my uh, screen here, so I'll be be right back. So I apologize for that. I just had the screen on and uh, didn't want the audio to be feeding back. Um, we're up to Isaiah chapter 21 uh, this evening, so we're going to be continuing these judgments on the Gentile nations that surround Jerusalem and Judah, and a couple of things I just want to point out before we get into the uh, chapter tonight. Um, one is that um, all of we have to know our geography, and all of these nations that are called out for prophetic condemnation by Isaiah. They're all in the Middle East, and they're all the neighbors of Jerusalem and Judah. So if we cannot locate Jerusalem on a map, then we're going to come to a kind of strange conclusions about who these players are. Uh, for example, there's a theory that uh, Babylon is America. Uh, well, you know, America is not mentioned. And I know that uh, Herbert Armstrong, when he was studying the scriptures and, and just couldn't understand how is it that Amer- all these little nations are mentioned, but America is not mentioned. How could that be? And that caused him to go on a very deep study uh, to come to realize that America, Britain, these nations are actually descendants of Israel. And so that was a great insight. Uh, however, there's another answer, I think, as we now come into this final chapter of why America isn't mentioned in these prophecies. And it's, I think the conclusion is America doesn't matter. As powerful as a nation or empire as America is or maybe I was going to say was, but but still is, although it's in rapid decline. Uh, it looks like by the time we get to the end, America is irrelevant. That it is just unraveling so fast and so rapidly. It's collapsing right before our very eyes. And so this is what nations do. Very few nations make it past a couple of hundred years. Very few empires, world empires, make it past a couple of hundred years. And it looks like America will be no exception. So in the heyday of America it was very difficult to understand how is it that America is not mentioned in scripture. But now as we watch the rapid collapse of America, I think perhaps, uh, another, uh, perhaps another theory or, or possibility is that America becomes, becomes completely irrelevant in the end time. And so let's, let's bear that in mind that geography matters as we study scripture. Uh, and secondly, that the prophecies of Isaiah are dual. That many of these prophecies, as we read them, they, were, they had immediate application for Judah and Jerusalem. These prophecies, the fulfillment of these prophecies was just around the corner, you know, within, within a hundred, couple of hundred years. Um, at the same time, the nature of the prophecies show us that it's a dual. That, that these, these, some of these prophecies, it's impossible for them to have been fulfilled in their early fulfillment, to be fully fulfilled, that Christ said that he came to to fulfill to the full. And so after the first coming of Christ, now the ball is set in motion for the full deployment of these prophecies. And so we have to bear in mind that as we're reading this, some of it has immediate application, but it's also dual, uh, pointing to the time just ahead of us now. So Let's uh, open with a word of prayer, and then we'll get into the study for this evening. Our loving Heavenly Father, we pause, as our custom is, to acknowledge you, to thank you, Father, in a world gone mad, uh, a world that is just uh, drunk on every false ideology. We thank you, Lord, for your word, and we thank you for putting in us a love for your word, a hunger and a thirst for your righteousness, this is your gift, Father. We acknowledge it. Uh, we thank you for our repentance and pray that we will continue to, to walk in this way and to, to, to use your word as a, a lamp unto our feet. We pray for your blessing on our study, Father. We pray for your blessing upon your people. And especially, Father, we're, we're praying for our sister Lisa and our sister Mary, for your special healing mercies upon them. We thank you, Father. We ask your blessing upon us now in Jesus' name. So uh, brethren, we're up to Isaiah uh, 21, let us now look at this passage and we'll begin. Uh, So we, we, uh, you know, the past couple of weeks we've seen judgment on Egypt, on Moab, which is Jordan, on Syria, Damascus, uh, all these surrounding nations, Assyria, uh, all of them in the Middle East, Um, we we see these uh, incredible judgments upon them. And Babylon is called out for specific condemnation. And that's what we're going to see here in this chapter, Uh, chapter 21. It is a curse upon uh, Babylon. So it says here, the burden or the oracle of the desert of the sea. And that is referring to Babylon as this sort of um, fertile nation uh, within what is typically a desert. Uh, The burden of the desert of the sea. As whirlwinds in the south pass through. So it comes from the desert, from a terrible land. So there is going to be a destruction upon Babylon from the Middle East. It's not going to come from way overseas. It's, it's these Middle Eastern nations that are in the desert area. Uh, this is where the destruction of Babylon is going to come from. A grievous vision is declared unto me, says the prophet. This, this is horrible. This is horrible. This is, this is beyond the pale. This is hard for human comprehension, but Isaiah got wind of this. A grievous vision is declared unto me. I'm just hoping that uh, I'm coming through clearly. I'm assuming that I am. Everything looks good on my end. I'll just check here. I think everything's fine. Um, a grievous vision was declared unto the prophet. A grievous vision is declared unto me. The treacherous dealer deals treacherously. And the spoiler spoils. So there is something that's going to happen that Babylon is not going to anticipate. It's going to be a strategy that is somewhat deceptive and comes out of nowhere. Go up, O Elam, the siege, O Media. So Elam and Media, today, we would call these nations, the Persians, the, the per- Medo Persians, we would call this Iran. We would call this Iran today. Oh, thank you, uh, Sister Balma. I see I'm here, coming through clearly. Thank you. So, uh, so this 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 treachery that's going to be inflicted upon Babylon is going to come from Persia, and and anciently that's exactly what happened. That Babylon was this powerful, powerful nation, empire. We, we could see no end to Babylon, and then God raised up Cyrus, the Persian. And with his strategies and his strategy of war, he was able to take down Babylon. Again, we've got to think in terms of duality. That this was true anciently, but perhaps we need to consider in the future that it is Iran, the Shiites, that are going to strike against Babylon, the Sunnis, the, the ISIS, Iraq uh, and, and Syria. So they, they control Babylon today, or they will. Um, there's going to be some radical... Muslim element that has control of that, and it looks like Iran is going to really uh, maybe drop a nuclear bomb on them. Who knows what? But it's something that uh, uh, Isaiah saw, and it was just beyond the pale in terms of grief. All the sighing thereof have I made to cease. Not quite sure how to interpret this phrase. I think what I wouldn't how I would interpret it is you know, the same way that um, the children of Israel under Egypt were crying out to God and God heard them, perhaps this sighing is the sighing of Judah. And Babylon is oppressing Judah, oppressing Judah, and now God is going to crush Babylon. He's going to use Persia to crush Babylon and cause this sighing to cease. But it's going to be a disaster. It's going to be grief beyond the pale upon Babylon. So here in verse three, he says, therefore, are my loins filled with pain. Because of what he saw, the destruction that he saw, was going to come upon Babylon. It's just, he was just in a state of terror and just stunned shock. Therefore my loins filled with pain. Therefore are my loins filled with pain. Pangs have taken hold upon me, as the pangs of a woman that is in labor, that travails. I was bowed down at the hearing of it. I was dismayed at the seeing of it. And sometimes, you know, uh, if, when God shows his people, and he doesn't necessarily show his people uniformly, but when he does show his people, uh, some people are basically different parts of the body. Some are the eyes, some are the ears, some are the, the legs, different parts of the body. But when he shows his, his ministers, his people, his shepherds, what is going to happen Sometimes we can be in a state of grief and groaning, and and the rest of the body doesn't see a problem. The rest of the body might think everything's a okay Uh, But those of us who are studying the prophecies, and we see what's coming, uh, pardon us if we're in a state of grief. Uh, Christ was a man fully acquainted with grief, because he knew what was coming, uh, upon his people and upon the the surrounding nations. So here, the, the prophet is processing what has been shown to him, and he's struggling to digest it, despite the fact that we're talking about Babylon here. But but what's coming is so intense, he's having difficulty processing it. I was bowed down at the hearing of it. I was dismayed at the seeing of it. My heart panted. Fearfulness affrighted me. This, This is how intense the destruction of Babylon was going to be, and is going to be. The night of my pleasure has he turned into fear unto me. So even he couldn't even sleep, couldn't enjoy his evenings. He's a married man. Um, this just overwhelmed him. And then he says this. Prepare the table. Watch in the watchtower. Eat, drink. Arise, you princes. And anoint the shield. So what's happening here? Again, this is dual. But anciently... We know that Persia destroyed Babylon, this powerful world-ruling empire. We we think of Nebuchadnezzar, but after him, I believe it was his grandson, who Belteshazzar, it's either Belteshazzar or Belshazzar, the the name escapes me right now, I think it's Belshazzar. Um, And Daniel was Belteshazzar. Um, We know that he was feasting. And so it's like, yeah, go ahead, prepare the table, have your feast. We'll be watching from the watchtower. You have no idea what's about to come upon you suddenly. And so prepare the table and eat and drink and have your party. Knock yourself out. Enjoy your, enjoy your time while we'll be in the watchtower watching what's about to happen. And then he says, you princes or you leaders, and anoint the shield. Or the shield would be the ruler. So uh, you need to find a new ruler. You're going to be taken out. Like, don't, don't rely on this guy. He has no idea what's coming but you need to prepare some kind of defense because what's coming is going to come suddenly. For thus has the Lord said unto me. So there's an insight that I have, and it comes from the Lord. Go, set a watchman, and let him declare what he sees. So so God is always going to show us ahead of time what's going to happen. And then he expects us as his loyal watchman to declare that. And so he says to Isaiah, This is gonna. This is going down. You need to set a watchman, and you need to declare what's going to happen. And I think the declaration is not only to Babylon, but also to God's people. Now is the time to repent. God, God is coming to save you, and you need to be ready to meet Him. For thus has the Lord said unto me: Go, set a watchman. Let him declare what he sees. And then what did he see? And he saw a chariot with a couple of horsemen, a chariot of donkeys, and a chariot of camels. And he hearkened diligently with much heed. So basically there's an army coming, coming for destruction of Babylon. And the watchman sees it because he's looking for it. The Babylonians don't see it. They have no idea it's coming. But the watchman sees it. And he cried, a lion, my lord, I stand continually upon the watchtower in the daytime. And I am set in my ward whole nights. And this really speaks to the patience of the watchman. That when God says this is coming, wait for it. And, and sometimes it, it might be, you know, we're saying, look, this is going to happen, this is going to happen. And it, and it really feels like it's going to happen imminently. But God is just so patient. He's just so patient that he, he extends the time. And I think when the destruction finally comes, nobody can say, well, I wish I had more time. I think God gives as much time as he possibly can. And so the watchman is faithful. He knows that he has to do this and he's continually on the watchtower all day long and in the the, the whole night, night upon night upon night. And he knows it's coming and so he's watching. Many might give up and say, oh, it looks like it's not gonna happen. No, it's gonna happen. Everything that God says is gonna happen, is gonna happen. It just may not happen according to our timing. So we know we're right, just the timing is, is what we have to uh, be patient with. And behold, here comes a chariot of men. So finally on this night, now we see something happening. And behold, here comes a chariot of men with a couple of horsemen. And he answered and said, Babylon is fallen. So here it comes. There's no ter- this is the point of no return. Babylon is fallen, is fallen. And all the graven images of her gods, he has broken unto the ground. So these graven images, or this really the ideology that supports the greatness of Babylon. When you look at these great empires, if you think of Egypt, uh, Egypt was great as an empire because of the ideology that underpinned it, and the whole empire believed in this ideology and and conformed to it and, and worshipped the pharaoh because and this was what made uh, the, the, them so committed. To to this great nation, so if you want to shatter an empire, shatter its ideology, and and, and certainly this is when I say we're watching the collapse of America. Well, what's what's what collapsed first? It, its belief in Christ. America used to believe in Christ, and, and then you know the the forty uh, fourth administration basically declared we are now a post Christian nation, and from that point. To now, we've just watched this, this collapse. We, there was a little bit of you know trying to, 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 to stop the hemorrhaging with 45. But that was just a blip. And now we're just clearly seeing. And certainly in Canada, we have become post-Christian. Post-Christian. To the point where, where pastors are being clearly persecuted. I just was watching a news story on Pastor Arthur uh, Pavlovsky out in Calgary. And, and how somebody uh, was sabotaging his vehicle and removed all the lug nuts off off a wheel. And and the wife and children were to go on a trip. And that would have killed the family. But somehow she asked a friend if he he wouldn't mind just going to take the car just around the corner to get it washed. And on the way back, the wheel fell off. And then the tires were slashed. And unfortunately, he wasn't hurt and he wasn't going very fast. But if if the wife got in and went on her trip, she'd be on the highway, you know, going some 60, 70 kilometers, 80 kilometers an hour, maybe 50 miles an hour. And uh, and that would have been disastrous. And the police, nah. The media, huh? Nah. Media doesn't even touch it. But you you pull off the the, the 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 hijab off a Muslim woman, and this is this is international news. But you try to slay and murder a Christian pastor and his family, and we don't bat an eye, because we are a post-Christian. So nations collapse when they stop believing. In in their ideology, in in what made them great. And so, again, I think the way we're reading these uh, prophecies, the West is irrelevant. There's nothing that America does here. And and Judah has to realize that she can no longer rely on the might, the military might of America, that she cannot rely on anybody except her God. And she's not there yet. But with all of the uh, trauma, That she's she's going to be, she's undergoing now and will continue to undergo, and it's going to continue to intensify until she realizes there's nobody there to help her but her Messiah. So here the nation of Babylon is fallen, but her ideology is what is completely shattered. The belief in their great gods. This is no they no longer believe this. This is the end of Allahu Akbar. That's gone. And even the language, Babylon is fallen, is fallen. So this should ring a bell to us. To completely, So so John, in his revelation, is calling back to this prophecy in Isaiah. So if we look now in Revelation 14, 9, we see the same language. And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, if any man worship the beast and his image, there's the ideology, and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand. Uh, I, I should have gone on. There, let me just go back to uh, Revelation, 14. Revelation 14. It's 14.8, 14, I wanted. So Revelation 14.8. So I'll read 8 and 9. And there followed another angel saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen. This is calling Isaiah's prophecy. This is it. So, and and that, that, that how you saw the terror of Isaiah when he saw the fall of Babylon, well, it's dual. Yes, it happened with Persia anciently, it looks like it's going to happen again. Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And so the, the third angel followed them with a loud voice saying, if any man worship the beast in his image and receive the mark in his forehead and his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God. Which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. So this is the terror that Isaiah saw. He was terrified of this. And, and Babylon managed to get all these nations to, 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 to buy into her ideology. And, and that ideology culminates in the persecution of Judah, which then culminates in God's indignation. That this is his these are his covenant people. And they will be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the Holy Angel. And the presence of the Lamb. And in Revelation 18 and verse 2, and he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the Great is fallen. It's like it has to be said twice. It's so uh, unbelievable and inexplicable and surprising that this powerful a- empire has collapsed. And so we can expect in this end time. You know, Matthew 24, there's gonna be wars and rumors of wars. There's a reconfiguration of of the geopolitical scene. And again, what we're seeing here as we study these prophecies in Isaiah, America is irrelevant. The West is irrelevant. The, the focus of, of the, the theater is the Middle East and the nations of the Middle East. So as the West gets drunk on, on Marxism, they're destroying themselves, they're destroying their greatness, and they're taking themselves out of play. And so other nations now are going to come into that vacuum, that power vacuum. And and clearly the focus is the Middle East. And so there's the shock that Babylon the Great has fallen and has become the habitation of devils and the hold of every foul spirit and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. And then verse 21, and a mighty angel took up a stone with a great millstone and cast it into the sea saying, thus with violence, so there's some kind of you know, climactic end to Babylon. It's a very violent end. This is what Isaiah saw. Thus with violence shall that great city Babylon be thrown down and shall be found no more at all. Which is a very different judgment when we looked at, for example, Syria, Damascus. Her judgment wasn't a complete end. You know, Israel's judgment isn't a complete end. Assyria's judgment isn't a complete end. Uh, Egypt's judgment isn't a complete end, but Babylon? It's a complete end. It's a complete end. This, this, this we can expect what we call Iraq today, the, this uh, ancient Babylonian um, geography, this is going to be the center of great glory in the near future, and it's going to be so great uh, that it's going to seem like it could never end, and then it's going to collapse. We, we have to have imagination and, and see the world not as it is today, but as it needs to be in order to conform to Scripture. And, and Christ tells us there's going to be wars and rumors of wars, and this is a great reconfiguration. And, and that, unfortunately, brethren, for those of us in the West, isn't good news. We have had relative peace for hundreds of years in the West because of the power of the West. And, and you know, I was looking at some... Um, Past uh, videography of, of uh, it was um, in the West, somewhere in America, and it was that day at the beach, and you see these people. They walk with dignity. They're fully clothed. There, there's a sense you, you get this great sense of morality from them, and and nobody could touch the West. The, the concepts and the ideas that, that, that have powered and built the West were, were phenomenal and second to none. To the point where Turkey, uh, uh, the Ottoman Empire, had collapsed in the face of the power of the West. And, and Ataturk, the, the, the ruler of Turkey just said, Islam is ridiculous. This, this is nonsensical. This is stupid. Let's stop being stupid. All of this garbage that we're believing about our greatness... It's just not true. Look, look around us, we're backwards. And he, he, he made Islam illegal. He said it's complete rubbish and nonsense. And he made it illegal. And he tried to westernize um, Turkey so that it could catch up to the greatness of the West. And now the West is taking this greatness and basically flushing it down the toilet. And so this is not good for those of us in the West because now we have no defense against people who hate us, against nations who despise us. And and I'm very, very sorry for America. Her borders are wide open, and all kinds of people who are possessed with demonic hatred of America are just coming in, coming in by the tens of thousands monthly, maybe daily. And they're spreading all over. It's like a cancer spreading all over the nation. How will the nation recover from this? It's basically past the point of no return. And and somehow our brethren can't see this. We have our brethren supporting movements that are destroying the family. And the family is what made America great. What made the West great? The Christian family. And now Christians are supporting movements that are destroying the family. And with it, destroying the nation. It is It is... If I wasn't alive, <laughs> if I wasn't alive to see all of this firsthand, nobody could make me believe it. People would be telling me no, but Adrian, this is what I, I say. No, it, it, I, I would need like two, three witnesses to confirm this story. But we're seeing it with our very eyes. You know, I laugh, but it's 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 a it's a laugh of 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 grief. It's so tragic. But hopefully, you know, it's not over till it's over. Ho- hopefully, we go far enough that we we wake up and see what's happening, and and maybe put up a bit of a fight, and and defend our families. Even though for many, unfortunately, uh, our families, you know, they're going to be destroyed. And then powerful Marxist governments, which we are saying, oh, we need more government. We need the government to feed us. We need the government to help us. We need the government to fight our battles. And all that means is the government must become more and more powerful. And when it becomes powerful enough, they come into your home and they remove your children and do whatever they want with the children because they don't believe in family. They don't believe in morality. And so we need to be careful. What is it we're supporting? We support Christ and that's it. So Babylon is gonna come to a tremendous end. And this is all, the theater for all of this is the Middle East. Verse 10, of so America doesn't matter. Canada doesn't matter. Britain doesn't matter. These These, these nations are irrelevant. All the action is in the Middle East and surrounding the Promised Land. It's a great controversy over the Promised Land and over the Covenant people and whether or not they can be in the Promised Land. And then Isaiah says this in verse ten: 10, O my threshing and the corn of my floor, that which I have heard of the Lord of hosts, Yehovah, the God of Israel, have I declared unto you. So this now, his threshing, O oh my threshing, these are his people who have been threshed by Babylon. O oh my people who are oppressed. O oh my people who have been slaughtered and subjugated and raped and humiliated. O oh my people who have lost your power, who have been shattered, the shattered of the power of the holy people and the corn of my floor. These are the people who've been crying out for for relief. That which I have heard of Yehovah of hosts, he's the God of Israel, have I declared unto you. So Babylon has a completely different worship system. It manages to get the whole world to buy into it. And that means a complete hatred of the covenant people and a complete hatred of the, the scriptures. Of the covenant people. And that means a a, a pathological murderous hatred of the covenant people. And oh how how they have suffered. And then God has given Isaiah this vision of Babylon's end. And now Isaiah is telling God's people. He's heard directly from God. This suffering, this persecution, this oppression and humiliation and subjugation. It's coming to an end. So that's Babylon he now goes on in verse eleven the burden of Duma he called to me out of seir watchman, what of the night watchman, what of the night so so watchman what are you seeing you're on your post what do you see and now this so first we saw the burden of Babylon now we're seeing the burden of Duma what is Duma or who is Duma and He's calling to him out of Seir, asking him what he sees. So Duma, Genesis 25 and verse 14, clearly we see here that Duma is a descendant of Ishmael. If you read the the passage in uh, Genesis 25, these are the descendants of Ishmael. But at the same time, this burden concerns Esau, which is Seir. So there's some blending here between Duma, which could be Edom, if they take it from the, um, uh, not, not uh, Hebrew, but uh, the, the name just escapes me, and the language um, Hebrew and Inverdineah, uh, it just escapes me at the moment. Uh, it'll, it'll come back to me. Maybe somebody could type it in the chat. Um, so that would be uh, a derivative of Edom, but at the same time, Duma is a descendant of Ishmael. But either way, It really doesn't matter. What we see here is Islam. In the end time, this is a Muslim nation. And also, we see in Genesis 28 and verse 9, that Esau, which is Edom, went unto Ishmael and took unto the wives which he had, Mahalath, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Nabojoth, to be his wife. So Esau married into Ishmael. So these people are commingled. So whether we say that Duma is Ishmael or Duma is Edom, either way, it is the um, Aramaic. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Pastor Murray. That's, the, uh, that's what I'm trying to think of. Yeah, so, so it's from the Aramaic, Duma could be from Edom. But from the scriptures, Duma is a descendant of Ishmael. But whether it's Edom directly or Ishmael, because Edom married into Ishmael, they're the one and the same peoples. And today they are Muslim peoples. And these, all of these nations surrounding Judah and Jerusalem, they have a pathological murderous hatred for Judah and Jerusalem because the founder of Islam had a pathological murderous hatred for Jews because they wouldn't accept him. He, he basically caught on, you know, today, if you wanted to be wealthy today, you know, get into technology and, and maybe, you know, get into vaccine technology if you want to be really, really wealthy. So there's a sense that you know, today's Silicon Valley, is where, that's where the money is. You, know? so you wanna be, be wealthy, get into technology. You know, back in the day, when it took on the seventh century, you wanna be wealthy, get into religion. You wanna have authority, you wanna have control and power. Religion was the thing. And so whatever it was, Catholic, Islam, well, you, know, you get into religion. And so Muhammad got into religion for power. And then he went to the Jews, And he you know, he saw the Jew, he was a merchant, he saw the Jews, the Christians, and he realized the power of scripture and the power of robes and beards. And so he wanted that. And he saw how backwards his Arab people were. And he wanted to lift them up out of their backwardness, their cannibalism and perversity. And so he brought religion to them. And they accepted him. They had they didn't know anything about prophets, they didn't know anything about scripture. So anything he told them, I'm a prophet, this is the scripture. These were backward, ignorant people who knew nothing. And so they accepted him. And as he started to grow in power and influence, then he went to the Jews. And he said to the Jews, I'm the prophet you're looking for. I'm your Messiah. And the Jews said, no, I don't think so. Why? The Jews were educated. The Jews understood Scripture. And so you couldn't just come and make things up. You saw, you see how they were with Christ. where Christ had to challenge them and, and show them in their own Scripture what is what. But they knew the scriptures. And so Muhammad came along. He didn't know the scriptures. He was just making things up. And they wouldn't accept him. And he became he developed a murderous hatred for them. They didn't accept him, he would slaughter them all. And that became, you know, canon. That that became Quran. And so everybody who now is programmed by Quran has a murderous pathological hatred for the Jews. And so all of these nations who accept the Quran. They all surround uh, the nation we call Israel today, the tribe of Judah, and they they have been programmed with this murderous pathological hatred. And so that's why we see in these passages the the complete cursing of all of these Islamic nations because they've accepted this this drunkenness of, of hatred for God's covenant people. So here we have Edom and Ishmael being cursed. So he says here that in verse 11, that he called called to me out of Seir. So what I can make there is in Deuteronomy 33 and verse 2, he said, the Lord came from Sinai and rose up from Seir unto them. He shined forth from Mount Paran, and he came with ten thousands of saints. From his right hand went a fiery law for them. So it looks like God is going to destroy Seir and, and come to save his people from Seir. And I think that's the na- that's the notion here that Isaiah is saying that he called to me from Seir, Watchman. What of the night? What are you seeing? What of the night? And the Watchman said. The morning comes so the morning is good news the the night passes the morning is coming and also the night so this is like yeah the morning's coming that's not going to last very long darkness is coming back it's almost like the situation we find ourselves today where it's like here we are in canada we're into this this lockdown and it's like oh they're easing up the restrictions morning is coming are you kidding me do we really think that we're going to have our freedom back yeah, okay, yeah, they're going to ease up the restrictions, and then there's going to be another clampdown, and another one after that. For every, you know now we, now we need a climate change clampdown. Or now, now we have a serious virus, and you know you were all clamping down for COVID-19, which is 99.6 percent recoverable. Now we have something that, you know the recovery rate is not so good. So whatever extreme measures we were taking for COVID-19, now we need to lock you up in your house. You know, or, or, you know, the world will end in, in eight years if we don't do something about the climate. So we have to do it now. It's an emergency. We'll pull the emergency brake. So, so yeah, we, you know, we can see freedom is coming, but so is the night. So, so here the watchman is saying, yeah, morning's coming for seer, but darkness is coming right after that. If you will inquire, inquire you. Return come. Yeah, keep, keep asking me, saying to Seir, keep asking me. And I'll tell you, this, this, the, it's not good. Your, your prognosis is not good. The prophecy against you, it, it's unrelenting because of what you did to the covenant people. Now, again, we have, and we saw earlier from Isaiah, where he says, Arabs will no longer pitch their tents. So clearly, as we look at the end time. The Arab nations are in their glory. The Ottoman Empire is resurrected. Islam has the upper hand. These these, these Arabic nations are powerful and glorious. And Judah is going down, 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 down. Jerusalem is the abomination that makes desolate. It's going to be the the, the absolute bottom of the pit for Judah. But Arabs, they're going to be in their glory. And America is irrelevant. Canada is irrelevant. England's irrelevant. Europe is irrelevant. So now, the next curse, it's all Middle East. It's all Muslim nations. The next curse, the curse, the burden upon Arabia. All these Arab nations. In the forest in Arabia shall you lodge. So there's no real forest in the desert, but whatever shrubs they can find, they need to hide. That the glory of Arabia is gone. Oh, you traveling companies of Dinanim. And so who is Dedan? Here in Genesis 10, we see the sons of Cush. Seba and Havilah, and Sabta and Rama, and Sabteca. And the sons of Rama, so this is descendant of Cush, Sheba and Dedan. So Dedan comes through Cush, and we saw earlier when God was cursing Egypt and Ethiopia that these would be Cushites, or some of these would be Cushites. And so these all Arab nations, God says going to destroy the, the Arabic tongue, or the Egyptian tongue, which is Arabic. So all of these nations of Arabia. The inhabitants of the land of Tima brought water to him that was thirsty. They prevented him, or they met him, with their bread, him that fled. So it looks like these inhabitants of, again, these, these Arab nations are trying to help now. So, so Esau or Edom is coming under complete destruction. The Arabians are coming under destruction. And there's somebody who's trying to help them. For they fled from the swords, from the drawn sword, and from the bent bow. And again, this is fascinating because this is really clear Islamic warfare. Islam is all about sword. And chopping people's heads off with the sword. And they were all bowmen. It's very interesting, the first horse rider is a horse with a bow. Ishmael was a bowman. So these are Islamic nations, Islamic, Islamic armies. And, and they are fighting each other. They are destroying each other. And this is the legacy of their prophet, whose prophecy, He didn't really have real prophecies, He didn't have prophecies like scriptural prophecy. Where, where you don't have to do anything, you just, God is gonna do it. You, you watch and witness. Uh, his prophecies, the Muslims have to carry it out and make it happen. But one of the things he said was, in the end time, there will be 72 sects of Islam and only one of them is right. <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't say which one is right or why. So they just have to, so what it means is, there's gonna be 72 sects of Islam and 71 of them are going to be infidels that need their heads chopped off. And only one of them is going to be true. That's going to make it into paradise, but he doesn't tell them which one. So they're going to be chopping each other's heads off. You, you can never be, you, you can never be Muslim enough. No matter how Muslim, no matter how devout you are, it's not good enough. There's always somebody to say, no, you need to give us more. You need to do more. It's it's like uh, it's a sim- similar to the Marxist woke uh, g- g- cult. You can never be woke enough. No matter how woke you declare yourself to be, you, you, you need to give more. You need to give everything. It, it just keeps getting darker and darker. And so here we see this clearly. These are Muslims destroying each other. And the prophecy is already in play. There's going to be 72 sects and only one is right. The rest are infidels. And so these people are fleeing from their own Islamic brothers. They fled from the swords, from the drawn sword. These people are th- bloodthirsty. They want their heads, and from the bent bow, and from the grievousness of war. For thus has the Lord said unto me, Within a year, according to the years of a hireling, and all the glory of Kedar shall fail. So what is this now? So God is saying, like, this thing is timed perfectly. That when God says this, these, this, these Arabic nations are going down, set your watch. Set your alarm clock. It's going down at the exact precise moment that God says. It's like a hireling is, um, you know, you're you're hired to do a job that you hate. And you're told, look, put in your eight hours. You're gonna start at 9 a.m. and you're not off till 5 p.m. And you have that person watching the clock. It's like, okay, it's 4.57. Just three more minutes and I'm free. 4.58. 4.59 4.59 and 45 seconds, and the minute it strikes five o'clock, I'm clocking out and I'm getting out of here. Well, God is saying like, okay, these Arabic nations are going down at a very precise moment and not a moment later. You can set your watch by it, as if you were an employee that hated your job. Now, here in Ezekiel 27, just to just drill down again on these, these Arabic nations and why they're going to be destroyed. Ezekiel 27 verse 20, Dedan was your merchant. Here he's talking to the Palestinians, to Tyre, and the, the great glory of the Palestinians. And he's saying to them, Didan was your merchant. Didan traded with you and was happy to trade with you in precious clothes for chariots. Arabia... And all the princes of Kedar, this is why they're coming under a curse, they occupied with you in lambs and rams and goats. In these were they your merchants. So you're there destroying Judah, destroying the covenant people. And they're happy to have it this way and they're happy to be in league with you and help you destroy Judah and they're happy to trade with you and the glory uh, of that traffic just just grows these, these Islamic nations on the backs of the destruction of Judah. And God is calling them out for destruction. The merchants of Sheba and Ramah, so we say these are the Cushites now. This would be North Africa. They were your merchants. They occupied in your fairs with chief of all spices and with all precious stones and gold. So when Babylon falls, it's all of her merchants are crying and wailing because they were getting rich off her but they had to buy into her ideology in order to be able to participate in this economic traffic. Back to uh, Isaiah, uh, last verse here of chapter 21. And the residue of the number of archers, the mighty men of the children of Kedar. Notice the scripture doesn't have anything to say about the mighty Americans or the mighty British or the mighty Canadians. All of this glory or the mighty Europeans All of this glory that you see in the Western nations, which is derived from Christ, whether they believe in Christ or not, they want to call themselves atheists. It doesn't matter. The foundation of these nations, the ideology that unlocked the human spirit of creativity and respect for the individual, all of that came from the influence of Christ. And so, the glory of these nations came from Christ, and now they're post-Christian. They've rejected Christ, they hate Christ. And so with that rejection of Christ is the rejection of their own glory. And now the West is collapsing. And so in this power play in the end time, the West has nothing to do with it. The West is irrelevant. But these Muslim nations grow to fantastic glory. And all the traffic is allowed because they have the same ideology. They're allowed to have the same ideology until they turn on each other and destroy each other. But here, the remnant of these powerful soldiers, these powerful Muslim hordes and, and, and armies, it shall be diminished. There'll, there'll really be nothing left, but, a, but, a, but a, a, just a, a, a speckle. And how do we know that? For the Lord God of Israel has spoken it. This, all the Scripture, we, we have no clue what's happening in the world unless we understand what the Lord God of Israel has spoken. We don't care what the Koran says, except to understand how it fits in the Bible. We don't care what Karl Marx has to say, except to understand how it, how it uh, accelerates the prophecies of Scripture. We care about the God of Israel because He's the Creator and He's the only one that can declare the end from the beginning. From the very beginning, we can open up Genesis and see how the whole thing is gonna end. He declares the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, here Isaiah, ancient, ancient times, thousands of years ago, that which is not yet done, saying, my plans shall stand. We serve an incredible, mighty, mighty God. And we're just so privileged to have access to the ancient scriptures. And so this was Isaiah 21. It is the burden or the curse of Babylon and the surrounding Islamic nations. And the God of Israel has pronounced all of this and he's coming to save his covenant people. Let's wait for him brethren, let's look for him and let's really declare this this good news of the gospel. Let's learn it so that we can teach it accurately. Jesus Christ is Lord. God bless you, brethren.